Reality Church is a church striving to be biblical. We pray that this sermon would help you in your personal walk. Be blessed. So I want to start with, of course, the Word of God. Now hear the infallible, inspired Word of God. Acts 17, verses 30 and 31. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that it is infallible, inerrant, inspired, and we can trust it. It is a reliable collection of historical documents written down by eyewitnesses in the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. God, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write every word. <clears throat> Therefore, we trust every word that was written. God, just as we go through this, as we go step by step, God, help us to see the things in our hearts that may help us to be a people of repentance. God, remove the veil that we may see your attributes clearly revealed in Scripture, that we may retain this, God, Holy Spirit, illuminate this for us so that we can see it so clearly, God, that it becomes our second nature. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, I think this is going to be probably as centrally focused as any of them I've done because we're going to talk about the, the thing that we need to talk about with repentance. There are many who refuse to repent. And they refuse to repent for certain reasons. And in going through Watson's book on repentance, The Doctrine of Repentance, um, he outlined actually 10 clear reasons as to why someone may refuse to repent. Um... For the most part, these are things that apply to those who are not in Christ. So these are the things that you're going to encounter as you try to share the gospel. But there may be something in us that we may see in this too. This may be a mirror. And if it is, that, that's a helpful thing for us because we can repent. We can turn to a, that way of life. A life of repentance is a, is a life spent very gloriously. So what hinders us from repenting. I want to start with the first thing he started with, and this is what you're going to see the most, I think. People don't understand that they need to repent. Um, Revelation 3.17 says this, and this is Christ speaking to the church. He says, For you say, I, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. There are those who do good things. They make good decisions. They think they are good people. But they're just as much trapped in Adam's sin as Adam himself. 
we all must repent. Our main verse, this is the one that we've had. This, this is one that we've had for weeks. He commands all people everywhere to repent. The way to Christ is his first message he preached. What was the first thing he preached? Repent and believe the gospel. That's what Christ preached. And that's what we need to do is, is, is repent. And, and if you are in Christ, that's what you've done. You've repented. Does that mean that repentance stops? Well, I'm in Christ now, I'm good. We're going to get on to that. But listen, he calls us to be a people of repentance because that's the defining characteristic that even makes us a Christian in the first place. I'm reminded of the clip everybody's seen of, of uh, uh, Donald Trump. Why do I need to repent? I don't do anything wrong. I try to be good. I try to do the right thing. Why should I have to repent? Well, we all need to repent because we're all sinners. That's why. We're all sinners in need of a Savior to, to save us. Therefore, we need to repent. The second reason that Watson outlines, and I think it's a really good one, and I think it's one that we all need to stop and, and really bite into, okay? People think repenting is easy. They think that to repent is just easy, right? God forgive me, right? God forgive me for that. And that's, the, the, that's all you need, right? This is actually a license to sin issue. You know, we used to fight really hard against that. Somebody saying, you tell somebody that they don't need to repent, you're giving them a license to sin. We used to fight against that. Well, no, we're, they were right. We were, giving, we were trying to give out those licenses, those permits for sin, right? But somebody may in their heart say, you know, I can just say a quick prayer and I'm good. You know, God forgive me, help me, Lord. Have mercy on me, God. And then they live however they want. They live any way they want to. And that's not a life of repentance. You see, they never consider the heavy weight of sin. If you're in sin, when you realize it, it's as if you have just picked up a pallet of bricks. Whether saved or unsaved, when you realize I'm stuck in this sin, it's like a weight. And those people never realize that weight. Some people may underestimate the power and hold of sin. I want to read you a quote from the book on page 100. It says, If all the power in a sinner be employed against repentance, then repentance is not easy. All the faculties of a natural man join issue with sin. Basically what he's saying there is, if you can just deny repentance, then repentance must not be an easy thing because it's not coming to you. And that I've joined in with sin, and that's what happens. It becomes, that nature begins to take over, especially if you're not in Christ. You live in sin. That's what you do. It says, it quotes Jeremiah 2.25. He says, I have loved strangers, and after them I will go. A sinner will rather lose Christ in heaven than his lust. 
Death, which parts man and wife, will not part a wicked man in his sins. And is it so easy to repent? The, listen to this. The angel rolled away the stone from the sepulcher. But no angel, only God himself, can roll away the stone from the heart. An angel could roll the stone away from the grave of Christ, yet it takes God himself to roll the stone of sin away from your heart. Sin is a very serious matter, and repenting is definitely not easy. The third reason he gives is that some are presumptuous about God's mercy. Some presume on God being merciful. You see, they may have an intellectual knowledge of Christ. They presume He has saved them too without any repentance. The, the Puritans called them the almost Christians. The ones who know who Jesus is, know what He's done, and think, well, because He's so good, well, I've just, I'm lumped into that. I don't have to do anything to receive that. And they're almost Christian, but an intellectual knowledge of Christ is not going to save you. You see, there's no change in their life because there's no justification in their life. We are saved and justified by faith in Christ alone, period. That's it. That's the only way we're justified. Psalm 130, verse 4 says, But with you... There is forgiveness that you may be feared. He forgives so that we may fear Him. And if we fear Him, we'll begin to live a life of holiness where we seek holiness, which one of the main ingredients of living a holy life is what? Repentance. Another hindrance from repentance is laziness. Because repentance does require some sincere effort on our parts. It may require some time in tears. It may require some time in prayer. It may require some time just living differently. Proverbs 19.15 says, Slothfulness, that's laziness of course, cast into a deep sleep. And an idle person will suffer hunger. So those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. But it talks about these people who are idle. They're going to suffer from hunger. They never seek after the God who can save them. A quote he said, and this is, this is so in your face. This is classic Thomas Watson. It says, they had rather go sleeping to hell than weeping to heaven. That's tough. But isn't it true? And it's sad. Which, what does that stir up in the Christian? It stirs up a desire to share the gospel. To share the hope that we have that they don't. The fifth thing is the pleasure of sin. It's hard 
to grieve over what we delight in. If we enjoy and love our sin, it's hard to grieve over it and mourn over it and, and, and want to repent. 2 Thessalonians 2.12 says, In order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Condemnation comes upon those who enjoy their sin more than they have a desire to repent. That's what happens. So, as we go on, let's look at the things that I think maybe some of us may see in our own hearts. Some of us may see in the mirror at times when it comes to repentance. They feel, those who refuse to repent, they feel that repentance takes away joy. Because i got to mourn for my sin. Romans 14, 17 says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Repentance leads us to true joy. The joy that we can only find in a heart made clean by the Holy Spirit and in our God. Isaiah 61, 2 through 3 says, and this you may have heard. Some of you may have heard a Lyndall Cooley song from the Brownsville Revival saying this whole thing right here. But To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of the of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant the, to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that he may be glorified. There is joy in the vengeance of the Lord being taken out. So how is the vengeance of the Lord taken out? When we repent, we trust in Christ. The vengeance that was to come upon us has been poured out on Christ. And now we have been set free from the burden and the curse of sin. What, what greater joy can we have on this earth than to know that our sins are forgiven, that he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What joy is that? Another hindrance to <coughs> repentance in some, in some cases is this. The feeling of despondency. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you just didn't know what to do? You feel like, I don't have any way out. I'm in the hole. I can't get out. You feel, what you're feeling is called despondency. And I've been there. I know what despondency feels like because I've felt it in my life many times. Most time, tied to sin in my life. Jeremiah 18, 11 and 12 says this. Now therefore, say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord, behold, I am shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. Return everyone from his evil way 
and amend your ways and your deeds. So this is Jeremiah crying out for repentance for the people. And this is what they say. But they say, this is in vain. We will follow our own plans and will, and will everyone act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. That is not them saying we're denying you. That is them saying we've gone too far to come back. And some feel this way. Some They feel that repentance is in vain because they feel like they're too far gone. Uh, somebody that comes to mind is John Bunyan. I, I began reading his biography, his autobiography that he wrote, uh, Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners. And this dude was a sinner. He was known in town as a sinner. He would get plastered and dance all over town. He would gamble on every street corner. He walked up and actually heard people talking about how bad he was. He was despondent over that. It took him two years to truly repent because he was so despondent over it. 2 Corinthians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. You see, he is a God who comforts those who mourn. He comes to us with his mercy. And he comforts us when we repent and trust in him and what he has done and accomplished through Christ. Hosea 11, 8 through 9 says, How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboam? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. At what time does He not come in wrath in our lives? When we are on our knees or in some other means and repenting and saying, God, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. He will not pour out His wrath. Why? Because our repentance brings His mercies and repentance turns His wrath away from us and it puts His wrath on Christ. So how could He pour out His wrath on us? He's poured out His wrath on Christ on our behalf. Which is a wonderful thing. The eighth reason is that people think that God will just decide not to punish their sins. He's letting me go this long. He is love, right? I mean, God's not going to send me to hell over that. We have all heard that. Psalm 10, 11 says, He says in his heart, God has forgotten and he has hidden his face. He will never see it. God doesn't just forget unrepentant sins. 
Revelation 2, 21 through 23 tells you about unrepentance. He talks about someone termed Jezebel in the church, I believe it was the church of Thyatira, who was actually bringing sexual immorality into the church and leading people astray. This is what he said. This is what Jesus said. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her in, onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. God doesn't just forget unrepentance. He doesn't just forget sins unless it's through Christ. That's it. God's wrath must be poured out on sin, either on you or on Christ. Here's a big one. A big reason that many refuse to repent. They fear the reproach of men. I can't repent. What are people going to think? Because you know what sometimes repentance requires? Confession. I've just recently seen somebody who, who should have been solid as a rock have to get on his, his Facebook channel, his Facebook, and, and put on there, hey, I, am, I have been in unrepentant sin. I've taken it before my elders. I am having to step down from ministry because they've informed me that this disqualifies me. Therefore, I'm, let, I'm, I'm stepping away from ministry. Uh, they will be running my Facebook account and my personal Facebook account is going to be deleted. That doesn't bring reproach on the church. That shows somebody who is truly repentant right there. What brings reproach upon the church and upon you is when it's hidden and it stays hidden and you hide it. And that's what we've seen happen in some other churches here recently. There's a major church, major world church, mega, mega church, huge music ministry that has one of their locations in turmoil over unrepentant secret sin and is having trouble in many of their other locations around the world because of the same kinds of things. Be a people of repentance, even if it means looking poorly in other people's eyes. Because I'm going to tell you, the true Christian, when they see somebody repentant, that doesn't make you feel like you need to come at them. When I see somebody truly repenting for something that they've done and they confess that, you know what that makes me want to do? Grab a hold and be a help. That's what it makes me want to do. It doesn't make me reproach anybody. Now, the world may reproach people, but... We're not the world. We're the church. He said this. It is better that, that men should reproach you for repenting than that God should damn you for not repenting. I think that says it all. Who are we to please? God or man? I want to be pleasing to God. The last reason that he wrote that uh, we might be hindered from repentance is this. Love of the world. 
In Ezekiel 33, verses 31 through 32, it says, And they come to you as people come, and they sit before you as my people, and they hear what you say, but they will not do it. For with lustful talk in their mouths they act. Their heart is set on their gain. And behold, you are to them like one who sings lustful songs with a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument. For they hear what you say, but they will not do it. He's talking to Ezekiel the prophet, who is probably one of the saddest stories in the Bible, who called and called and called for repentance and never really saw it. You see, there will be times that you share the gospel. And those who hear it will love the world more. They'll just love the world more. Does that keep us from sharing the gospel? Definitely not. Definitely not. But it's like the parable of the sower. The sower went out and he sowed seeds in many places, but there's one that kind of sticks out as it comes to this, and that's the seed that was sown among thorns. The one that's sown among thorns. What does Jesus say about that one? Matthew 13, 22 says, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. They care more for the world. That will happen as we share the gospel. But know this, the gospel does not fail. The gospel does not fail. But I think we could all take a lesson from that particular thing because... You know, so many times we get caught up in the things of this world, the riches of this world, and comfort, and all those things, when what God has called us to is to be a people of repentance, a people who are in Christ, a people who love to share the Word of God, who are instant in season and out of season, who are always ready, when it's convenient, when it's not convenient, to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. And... As we look at those hindrances to repentance, I would say this. Don't let your repentance be hindered by anything in this world. Don't hesitate to take your sins before the Father. Repent and leave them there. Don't hesitate. Don't be hindered. There's nothing more important than seeking holiness laying those weights weights down and being set free. That's what's most important. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for what we've seen in your word, God, that repentance should be something that we're not hindered by. We're, we're quick to repent. We're quick to, to be set free from the sins that so easily beset us. Help that to always be our heart. God, us who are in Christ know that Jesus has come to, to save us from those sins, God, that we can be set free and the, the hope that we have is in Christ and that we, as people who are set free from sin, can always come to you and we can confess our sin to you 
And if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Help us not leave that undone in our lives for any reason. Let no person, let no thing hinder us from that awesome, awesome gift of repentance. We thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. That's awesome.